a religious term. Righteousness is a legal term that means you're in right standing with the governing authority. And I believe what the Spirit was speaking to her through this was that we need to awake to bring ourselves in right alignment with our Lord. Amen. Our Lord, our Master. You understand, as I mentioned last week, that the Bible says if we shall confess with our mouth, and that word confess, it literally means to covenant. It doesn't, just doesn't mean to acknowledge. It means to covenant with your mouth, the Lord Jesus Christ, that He is the, and Lord means a supreme authority. Amen. So if we are doing that, amen, we are awaking to righteousness. We are awaking to the fact that Jesus Christ is our Lord, that we have made a covenant with our mouth. And you understand a covenant was a binding agreement. They took covenant so seriously in the Bible. In some cultures, they take covenant so seriously that if you made a covenant and you broke it and you brought dishonor on the family, your own family would hunt you down and kill you because you had dishonored the family name. But awake to righteousness. Turn aside and see. Turn aside and see. Turn aside and see. Amen? Turn aside. What do you mean turn aside and see? Moses was in the wilderness tending his flocks. He was doing his own thing. How many of y'all know God did not miraculously spare Moses' life and miraculously place him in the house of the king, the Pharaoh, place him in the household of the king to be raised up and, and, and be placed in the kingdom at such a time as that for Moses to be hid out on the backside of the desert someplace tending sheep? Amen. I'm just going to say this by the Spirit of God. You need to understand that your job, I've said this before, but hopefully it's going to say, your job is not your work. Like what Pastor Earl said, that there's no company and no business you could own that could possibly pay you what you're worth. Because God has placed a treasure in you. Amen. And you understand that, you're, and that your job is not your purpose. You're bigger than that. You're bigger than that. Amen. But you need to turn aside to see. Moses was doing his own thing and he was, he was busy but not effective. Turn aside to see. Change your focus. This is by the Spirit of the Lord. Change your focus. Change your focus. Amen. Seek first the kingdom. Amen. And all these other things I taught Wednesday evening uh, on God's provision. And we talked about how the deceit, you know, that the, we've been teaching, and it's, I'm telling you, it's a, it's a word for us right now. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And what, and all these things, what was Jesus talking about? Material things, they'll be added to you. And you understand this, we need to tweak our thinking. Seeking first the kingdom doesn't mean that we all quit our job when we go out and we go into ministry full time. Let's think about it. The kingdom, the government, the rule or the supreme authority of God in your life. Seek first. God's placed you in those places you're at. Come on now. God, God, did, you, God didn't put you there just to sell frozen food. He brought you there to, to further the kingdom. God didn't establish you as, as the manager of a gin or a farmer or whatever your business is. He didn't make you the chief financial officer of a company. He didn't make you a sales manager of a company. He didn't, make you, he didn't allow you to be a student right now. Just for that to be your call. He's placed you there that as you're in the place that God's called you to, that you're seeking first His government, His authority in your life, and that as you, and His righteousness, and so that you become a, an influence. It's all, Pastor, we've heard this before. Mm. 
If that's your attitude, you still ain't getting it. Oh, I've heard that. I've heard, remember I told you, I've, I've given you a warning. Avoid the I've already heard that mentality. Because Pastor Cheyenne, man, she brought the hammer last Sunday night. Man, she brought that. That's been stewing in her for months. Are you doing it? Are you doing the Word? And she brought the hammer. These two people told her. I know this because I live with her, glory to God. Because I live with her. She brought the hammer last Sunday night and brought a powerful Word. Amen? Some of y'all, some of y'all, you're missing it. You, need to, you just need to make, put forth a little bit of effort. Maybe kick yourself in the backside and get yourself going a little bit. But you don't, I'm not the only ministry gift in this church. Pastor Cheyenne's not the only ministry. Me and Pastor Cheyenne are not the only ministry gift in this church house. But you're not getting, you're not getting the full, you're not getting the full impact of the ministry. If you're not saying, well, why don't you let her preach on Sunday morning? Well, as soon as God sends us someone to step up and take over the children's ministry, we'll be glad to do that. Because I'm not insecure at all. She's part of me. When she stands up, she's just as much a part of me as if I'm standing. She has just as much authority and say as if I'm standing up here preaching it. But she brought the hammer. Huh? Are you doing it? Are you doing the Word? Don't tell me you're tired of hearing it until you start doing it. You know, it ain't soaked in. Glory to God. Amen. Change your focus. Amen. And this is the thing, what I was talking about Wednesday night I mentioned. We were teaching on, I was teaching on the provision of God. You know, it's the deceitfulness of riches that chokes the Word and makes it unfruitful. In other words, make, it makes an unfruitful life. And, uh, and you understand this, that the, that the Word says, seek first the kingdom and then He'll add riches to you. But the, the deceitfulness of riches is, seek me first and then give your spare time to God. And what happens? Well, you, you say, you know, you're missing a lot of stuff. You're missing a lot of stuff. The, uh, you know, if you can't be righteous, what, what, what did Jesus say? If you can't be righteous with ungodly mammon, how, how can you be entrusted with the true riches of God? Amen. Money ain't, money ain't the true riches, is it? Amen. Glory to God. I'll take getting somebody out of a wheelchair. I'll take somebody's blind eyes being healed. I'll take deaf ears being opened up. Amen. Glory to God. We've got to be righteous with uh, the, the things of this world. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Let's pray. Let's get into the Word. You say, I thought you was preaching. No, that was just the intro. Praise God. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we come to You in Jesus' name. Lord, we thank You for this day. Father, we thank You for the opportunity to be in Your house. Father, to hear Your Word. Father, I thank You that as I speak, Lord, that You just prepare the hearts of the people. Lord God, that they would, their hearts would be good ground, that would receive the seed of the Word, Father, and that it would bring forth fruit in their lives, some thirty, some sixty, some a hundredfold. Holy Spirit, we invite You into this place again. Have Your way. Speak through me. Minister to the people. And we just give You thanks and praise for it all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Just felt unction of the Holy Spirit to, to share this with you this morning is that, and, and bear with me, this may sound presumptuous to some of you all, but you'll not receive a, barring that the Holy Spirit speaks to you specifically, the most important words you'll hear all week are, in this, are coming from this pulpit. Amen. Not because they're my words, but it's the word of the King. And you understand that if God's called you to join yourself with this ministry, that that means that there's something God has placed inside of me that He wants to get in you. Oh, really, Pastor, you sound kind of cocky. No, I'm, I'm bragging on my God. Because believe me, I know better than you all do what a mess I am myself. Amen? But I know that I am called here. I have got a purpose. I have got a word to transform your life, to transform this city. Amen? And it's the gospel of the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, it's the upside-down kingdom that's right-side up. Amen? And so, 
we need the purpose. Just make up your mind. This isn't just a religious obligation. You know, the attitude of the hearer determines the fruitfulness of the seed that's sown. Jesus went, the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, I just believe Jesus could do anything. Really? Jesus, when he went to his hometown and they didn't esteem him, oh, isn't that, that's just Joseph's boy. Huh? That's just Joseph's boy. Doesn't his family live here? And they wouldn't even, they did not regard him or anything that he had to say. And because of that, he, Jesus was limited in what he could do. He said he could, there, he could do no mighty miracles except heal a few, few sick folk. Bible says, says just sickly, you know, cold, cold symptoms, really, something of the equivalent of cold symptoms. But he couldn't do any, uh, he couldn't do any mighty works. You need to understand the apostle Paul. He wrote, I believe someone might be able to help me, that it was to the Galatian church that when he wrote to them, he said that when he came and he preached, he said, "You didn't receive my word as the words of men, but you received it as it is, in fact, the word of God." Amen. And so when you begin to esteem the word that's brought forth, Amen. And you esteem it and you recognize it as that's not just Pastor Brian, that's not just Brother Brian, that's not just Brian up there talking, but it's the Word of God. And if I'll give it heed and I'll put it to work in my life, the Word will always produce results. The Word will always bring increase to your life. The Word will always change your life for the good. Amen? Amen. So this morning I want to talk to you about greatness. Amen? Greatness. Everybody should aspire to greatness. And I know some people are religious minds and go, oh, I just don't know about that. You know, you, the Bible says, doesn't the Bible say we're supposed to associate ourselves with the lowly things? Yeah, but it didn't say that you are a lowly thing. You need to aspire to greatness. I saw a quote uh, this week. I love Vince Lombardi quotes. I love Vince Lombardi quotes. Man, the guy was just, man, he could, he could have been a success at anything, really. But he said, he said, winning isn't everything, but wanting to win is. Winning isn't everything because you know we can't win all the time. Winning isn't everything, but wanting to win is. As an athlete, you know, I played football in, you know, all through school, elementary school, middle school, high school. I played football, wrestled one year, threw some shot put on the track team some because I was the only guy in school. I mean, I could pick it up in baseball, throw it further than the rest of the guys could. You know, because I, I bench pressed 465 pounds when I was a junior in high school. But you know what? This is the thing. As an athlete, you don't have any business stepping on the field if you don't want to win. You're, you understand that if you've got, you know, you've got a football team out there and everybody on the team wants to win and there's one guy that doesn't, you need to get off the field. Because I'd rather put someone on the field that didn't have half the talents you did but had the hunger to win than have somebody that had talent and no hunger to win. Amen. To be, to be great. You gotta want to win. Amen? Paul, what did Paul say? Paul said, I run in such a way, I don't run in vain, I don't punch at the air, you know, I'm not boxing the air, but I run to win. I don't run, you know, I don't get in the race and start just to finish second place. I don't get in the contest thinking, well, you know, if I just have a top ten finish, cause you're not gonna get that. Winning isn't everything, but wanting to win is. And so what's the point, Pastor? Being great, might not be everything, but wanting to be great, you have to have a desire for it. And if someone tells me, well, you know, I just don't, you know, I don't have a desire to be great, then you've not discovered your passion yet. You've not discovered your passion. If there's not a desire in you for greatness to excel and for you to be, you be handed the trophy. You don't go out to no uh, rodeo ride and think, well, I just hope, you know, just hope, all I'm hoping for is I don't fall off my horse and look silly. 
No, we want a trophy for the case, or we want a trophy on the shelf. We want a medal. We want something saying, I was, I showed up, and there's other people showed up, but I was the best. And there's nothing wrong with having that desire, because that's what will fuel greatness. That's what, that's one of the things, that's one of the things that will inspire us to greatness. And so every one of us, we need to realize that coming into the kingdom, God, there are some things, God, God wants His children to be the best at everything they do. Oh, that sounds pompous and arrogant. Who are we representing? Who who are you representing? You know, if you're just going out and you're doing it for yourself, well, you know, just a half-hearted try, that'll do. But we're, we're, you realize that the Bible says we are ambassadors. We are representatives of the King. We are representatives of the kingdom of heaven. And everything that we do, amen, what's the word say? The word says, you know, do all things heartily as unto the Lord. And that means that you do it good. That means, okay, that means if you're, if you're training, and I'll just say this because I don't do horseback riding or anything, okay, but when I was in high school, you know, if I went to a weightlifting, went to a couple of weightlifting competitions, you know, went down to the, the Huntington Regatta and, and, and competed in a bench press competition when I was in uh, 11th, 10th or 11th grade, and I'd train, I'd go to the weight room, you know, and it's obvious I wasn't a bodybuilder, but I was into powerlifting. And when I went in and I was going to bench press, Man, if I, if I took, you know, I was, I'd do reps with 315 when I was in 11th grade. I'd do like three sets of 12 to 15 with 315 pounds on, on bench press. And if I was training, I'd go, you know what, I usually do three sets of 12 to 15. Why don't I see if I can do four sets of 12 to 15? Or why don't I see if I can't do uh, three sets of 16 to 20? And push myself harder and push myself harder and try hard so that when I went that I wasn't going to go and be embarrassed. And I'll tell you, when I was a, when I was a junior in high school, I went and competed against guys that were on Marshall University's football team and out bench pressed them. I never took a steroid, never took anything. Just because I went in and it was something that I put my mind to that I wanted to excel and I wanted to do good at it. Okay? Well, what's your point? If you're going to do something for the king, you do it good, right? What was it? Remember over in the Old Testament scriptures that when, when the Lord spoke through one of the prophets and he began to speak to the people and he said, Oh, you're, you're coming to my temple. And remember, God's commandment was, you give me your best. Amen. If it ain't your best, don't bring that trash up in here. That's a paraphrase. That's a Brian Adkins paraphrase. But God's saying, if it ain't your best, don't bring that trash up in here to me. What's He say? Oh, they, they, they was because their sacrifice was supposed to be the best. It was supposed to be the, the, the animal that didn't have a spot, it didn't have a blemish. And what had the people done? They went out and they began to say, well, I don't want to give my prize calf. Let's just go out here and see if we can find one that, you know, maybe I ain't going to do much with it anyway, but we can take it to the temple and we can sacrifice it. And they begin to do that, you know, they'd get, oh, this one's got a bad eye. This one's got a gimp leg. Let's take it on up to the temple. Let's keep the good ones. And what did God speak through the prophet? He said, and this is a paraphrase, take that mess on up to your governor and see if he's happy. You going to bring that to me? You going to bring that to me and call it a sacrifice? Get on out of here with that mess. Take it to, take it to the governor. What can it, let's make it a little bit real. You bring in your, you're making your spiritual act of service and sacrifice to the Lord, and, and God's gonna say, check yourself out and check your devotion and check your commitment and see, and see if your boss would be happy with that. If you, if, if you were an employer, would you be happy with an employee that was that devoted? If your boss, if you, if your boss, you know, if you go to work and you're employed by someone, and you gave them the same kind of service, you know, you know, that you did me, would they be satisfied with it? Ooh, glory to God, Pastor. 
What, you know, what got down your collar? Nothing got down my collar. You understand I'm saying this love because you understand I do not want this to be a church where people come, they're made comfortable in mediocrity, and then you get mediocre results, and we're just another podunk church stuck at the side of the road in some town that needs another church like it needs a hole in the head instead of becoming the church and being the church that God called to ignite the city, impact the nation, and influence the world. And it's not going to happen with half-hearted, you know, sacrifice. You gotta bring your best. You gotta bring your best. And so this morning, we're, we're talking about greatness. You understand that in the kingdom of God, greatness is measured much, much different than what the world measures it. This is the way the world measures greatness. Oh, how many people know your name? Fame. You know, how big is your house and how fancy is the car you drive? Fortune. Hmm? Fame and fortune. Gold and glory, huh? That's what I learned when I was in. Uh, college and history class that many of men's conquests were for, for gold and glory. And then they threw God in at the end. Huh? But you understand that the world defines greatness a lot different than the kingdom of God defines greatness. Because in the world to be great, it's fight, claw, scratch, do whatever you got to do to get to the top and go, woo, I'm the winner. You do this, you do that. I'm, I'm the big boss. It's so funny, Cheyenne's papa used to have a saying, <laughs> He'd say, I'm the big boss man and the wheels keep on turning. I don't know what wheels he was talking about, but that's what he'd say. I'm the big boss man and the wheels keep turning. Glory to God, some of that rubbed off on his daughter, didn't it? Amen. I'm the big boss woman and the wheels keep on turning. I'm the little boss woman and the wheels keep on turning. Amen. Glory to God. But you understand, what? how does God define greatness? Turn with me, if you would, in your Bibles. I want to read you the same account uh, well, actually, the same account in two passages and then one other additional passage. Matthew chapter 20, verse 20. How is greatness described in the kingdom of heaven? Matthew 20, starting with verse 20. It says, Then the mother of the sons of Zebedee, and you understand that's James and John, the, son, the sons of Zebedee, James and John, says, came... Uh, their mother came to him with her sons and bowing down. And yes, the King James Version says worshiping. I just make a little side note there. This will be this will be good. Make a note that it, here you know here it says that she came bowing down, and the King James Version says worshiping. We need to make sure. Remember, I said sometimes we need to know what we're saying and make sure what we're saying is what we mean. There is an attitude of worship, which means to hold in high esteem. But you can't really say I'm worshiping God unless you're doing what the Word says worshiping is, right? Amen. She's bowing down and the Word calls it worshiping. Oh, you're just being legalistic, Pastor. No, I'm being according to the Word. Amen? Amen. Glory to God. We're going to teach some on Sunday mornings about the, the praise life. We did that on Sunday night, but I think we need to do it on Sunday morning some too. We'll get that in the future. But anyway, she bowed down and she made her request. And she said, and he said to her, what do you wish? She said to him, Command that in your kingdom these two sons of mine sit on your right hand and on your left. But Jesus answered and said, You do not know what you're asking for. Are you able to drink the cup that I'm able to drink? They said to him, We are able. Did you notice the humility? Oh, yes, Master, we can drink the same cup you're going to. He said to them, My cup you shall drink, but to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give. But it is for those for whom it has been prepared by my Father. And hearing this, the ten became indignant with the two brothers. Well, you can imagine. Amen. How would you like it if, you're, if you've ever been hired in someplace and you're all on level ground uh, with someone, you all hire in at the same time, and you feel like, hey, we're all on the same ground, and you find out there's a couple of them that are trying to get on up the ladder so they can look down their nose at you. 
Huh? So the other ten became indignant. Amen. It says, but Jesus uh, called them to himself and said, "You know that the rulers of the Gentiles and understand when you read Gentiles, you mean people. With, it means people without a covenant, or you could say people outside the kingdom. Amen. People without the covenant, people outside the kingdom. Said they lord it over them, and their great men exercise authority over them." Amen. You understand. You understand that that's part. Of, that that's not the mandate of man. Brother Kirk and I were talking last night. And he was sharing how the, uh, the Lord had showed him a revelation of. You know. You understand. We've been talking a lot about original intent, because if you know the original intent, you know what the plan of redemption, what it's working toward. And he said, you notice that back in Genesis that God said that He spoke to man, and He said He gave man dominion over the earth, over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over all the earth and all that creeped upon the earth. But man, but man was not to have dominion, exercise dominion and authority over other men. Okay? Or women. Praise God. That'll rock your world, won't it? We're going to do some... Man, this, I'm telling you what, God's got some good stuff. Y'all just hang on. Your life is going to be changed radically for the good. Amen. You understand, God didn't even tell Adam to have dominion. Some women say, yeah, but after, some men say, yeah, but after the fall, said that she'd submit. Well, are you still operating in the fallen kingdom or have you been redeemed? Mm-hmm. Pastor, you're messing with my stuff. You're messing with my home life. I'm trying to make it better. Amen? You understand this. But, it's, but you understand, you know, Brother Kirk was sharing with me that the Lord spoke, shared with or showed him that before man was to have authority and dominion over the earth and over the works of the earth and over the creatures and see. And you understand, Jesus, did Jesus have dominion over the weather? Do we believe that? Praise God. You know, Brother Van uh, called me back early in the year and, and, and he prayed and I agreed with him for, for uh, a severe storm to blow over. And, and you got some rain, but it wasn't as bad as what the weather was saying and, and you know, all that red mess blopping around on the radar heading your direction is gone. Well, why? Because God gave man dominion over the earth. Okay? Well, you understand this. After the fall, what happened? This, this was good. This was good. So after the fall... People stopped wanting to have dominion over the earth. A hurricane comes or a storm comes. Oh, we've got to run and hide instead of speaking to it, taking authority and having dominion over it. And instead of having exercising dominion over the earth, they wanted to have dominion over man and be scared to dominate the earth. Hmm? To, do, to exercise dominion. So what Jesus is saying here is that the Gentiles, those that are without a covenant, those outside the kingdom, they desire to have dominion or authority and to lord it over other men. It says... Um, he says, it is not so among you, but whoever wishes, listen to this, whoever wishes to become what? Oh, i got like one of you. Whoever wishes to become what? Great. Great. Is it important to want to win? Yeah. Huh? Winning's good, but wanting to win's more important, right? Amen? Do you want to be great? He who wants to become great among you shall be your servant. That's con- Wait a minute. Pastor, that's different than anything else I've learned. Let's just take a look at this. this is a little bit out of order of what I had wanted to look at this. Whosoever shall become great shall be your servant. Okay? That word servant, it's the Greek word diakonos. It's where we get the word deacon. Okay? And get this. It means to run errands, an attendant that is generally a waiter, at a table or other menial duties. Kind of makes you wonder where some denominations have got off thinking that deacons run the church, don't it? I grew up in one of them churches. That ain't even biblical. You won't wonder why your church is a mess. You ain't even got the biblical form of government running the church. 
got a bunch of people, and thank God for deacons. You understand this, that the deacon, it is an honorable office, and it's an honorable calling. And according to Jesus, if you want to be the greatest in the kingdom, then you make yourself the servant, right? So this I'm not running down the purpose of the deacon or the role of the deacon, but you understand that God places people in the body as He pleases. Amen. I've, I've shared this before. It wasn't my great burning desire. I didn't when I was a kid grew up say, Woo, I want to be a pastor. But I was placed in this position in the body. God chose what I wanted to be. And you know what? I could have stiffened my neck and I could have pursued any career I wanted to done and I could have been good at anything I chose to do. But the time comes you got to decide, is Jesus your Lord? Is He the supreme authority? Are you doing His thing? But you understand that I'm called to be a pastor and God has a a godly designed form of government in a church and deacons aren't supposed to run the church. Amen. And that's not to mean that someone might not start as a deacon and then God, because He places you in the body, God say, you know what, I'm not changing your assignment. We've just moved from one phase to the other. Now you're here. Amen? And you, and you become in a, in a position to where you become someone that governs the church. But Jesus is saying, whoever wants to be the greatest, you got to become the servant. You gotta become the deaconos. You gotta become a sir. And you understand, quite literally, it means the errand boy. Now that sounds humiliating. Now a lot of people, that's beneath me. And that, and that flies in the face of our Americanized and Western culture idea of what's great. But you understand, we ain't operating in, on, on this world, on the kingdoms of this world's principles. We're operating on the kingdom of God. What about Elisha? Can we all agree that Elisha was great, was a man that was used powerfully of God? I'm going to tell you what, when you die and the flesh rots off your bones and they chuck a, a, a corpse in your tomb and it lands on your bones and life comes back into the, the corpse, you packing something, aren't you? you packing some Holy Ghost heat when you're dead and so dead they ain't no meat left on your body and they chuck a corpse and you need, some of y'all need to read that story. That's in the, are you making that up, Pastor? No, that's in the Word. That Elisha's bones, there was a man killed in battle. And they took him and they threw his body in the tomb. And when he landed on Elisha's bones, he come back to life and jumped up and took off and run off. Woo! Glory to God. Well, what does the word, what did, what was people of the world's opinion of Elisha? Remember when Elijah was taken away in the chariot of fire and Elisha came back down, the mantle passed to Elisha? And Elisha come back out and he smote the waters with the mantle of, of Elijah. He said, where is the God of Elijah? And, it, and the waters parted. What did the people of the world say? Oh, isn't this the man that washed Elijah's hands? You think about it. I like being waited on. I don't know. I don't want anybody washing my hands. I take care of my own hands, won't you? But you think about it. In the world's eyes, Elisha was. Oh yeah, that's that guy. He just he just he just washed he washed the preacher's hands. Who is that guy? Oh, you know, he's the one. You know him. You know, he, used to, he used to attend the pastor. He used to tote the pastor's Bible for him. Huh? And you understand this? I'm not saying, oh, come pamper me. What I'm saying is there is a blessing that goes along with making yourself well. i got a servant's heart. What can I do for you today? I'm here. I want to be a servant. I want to be of service to you. I'm the errand boy. I'm the errand boy. Amen? You need your donkey washed? I'll wash your donkey. Amen. Some of y'all are like, what in the world is he talking about? When I was on staff at Dr. Daryl Huffman's church in Huntington, West Virginia, and Cheyenne and I were serving as his children's pastors, and they were having an Easter program. You find out real quick 
<laughs> your position where you're at on the totem pole in the in the sta- in the church staff when chores like that come along. But you know what? You know they were having an Easter program and they had a donkey and they were wanting to use a live donkey in the church. And during practice, pastor noticed, man, that thing stinks. Imagine that something that lives outside in a barn and walks through its own manure stinks. Who'd have thought? Who'd have thought one of those things that stunk? I mean, the horses don't smell bad, do they? I mean, who would have thought that? Anyway, they said, they said, Pastor Huffman said, we need somebody to go out and wash the donkey. Okay, and I got to admit, I had this little nudge, you need to volunteer, but my flesh was like, oh God, I don't want to wash that donkey. It's cold outside, y'all, in West Virginia around Easter. It's still cold. I'm going to be turning, they, and they ain't running no water hose off the water heater. It's going to be cold water straight out of the ground I'm running on that poor thing. Guess what? I washed the donkey. You understand that you got you have to prove before you're going to get any promotion in the kingdom of God. I'm going to tell you what you might get promotions in the church because you understand there is a church and ecclesia called out, and then there's the a church, and you might get promotion. But if you're going, the Bible says promotion comes from the Lord. And if you're going to get promoted by the Lord, you're going to work your way up through the ranks. Amen? And the Bible says, Jesus said, if you want to be great, you've got to be the servant. And whoever wishes to be first, and that word literally means preeminent, whoever wishes to be preeminent among you um, shall be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. Let's read it like this. Just as the Son of Man did not come to have people run my errands and be my waiter and take care of menial tasks, but Jesus came to be the errand boy. Is that what the Word says? Jesus came to be the errand boy and to do the menial tasks and to be the waiter and to serve. Amen? Turn to Mark chapter 9 real quick. We'll read. I'm going to read this to you out of another... Uh, perspective. Amen. How many of y'all know there's no contradiction in the Word? Amen. There's no contradiction in the Word. So what we've got here is Jesus. And you understand, we read here where it says, verse 24, back in Matthew chapter 20, said, and hearing this, the ten became indignant with the two brothers. How many of y'all think they had something to say to them? Okay, they probably had something to say to them. So keep that in mind. We're going to read here Mark chapter 9, starting with verse 33. And they came to Capernaum, And when he was in the house, he began to question them, his disciples, what were you discussing on the way? Well, I imagine that it probably did spark some discussion, didn't it? What, y'all want to be my boss? I thought we were in this together. You want to be my boss now? What's up with that? And sitting down, he called the twelve and said to them, if anyone wants to be first, he shall be last and the servant of all. How many of y'all know the greatest in the kingdom of God is the servant of all. Who's all? Everybody you come in contact with. That ought to, that ought to be your mentality if everyone, because you understand, that's the, that is very selfless. That's a selfless attitude. The servant of all. Well, who's all? Everybody you meet today. How can I be your servant? What can I do for you? How can I bless you? How can I minister to you today? How can I be of service to you? Oh, pastor, that just, that just sounds like it, that's really inconvenient. Really? Are we worshiping the King? Are we serving the King at our convenience or at His command? I shared this a couple of weeks ago, and I actually misspoke. But you know, there's a book called The Prince by Machiavelli, and one of the things he talked about the king, the kings of the, of the day, is written you know back hundreds of years ago. And the kings of the day they hated 
the fact that he wrote the book. It was actually released uh, posthumously after he was dead because if he had released it when he was alive, they'd probably killed him because he let a lot of cats out of the bag about how men govern the world. And he, sa- and I, and he said that it's good for a ruler to know when he can be the lion and when he has to be a fox. When you can roar like a lion, when it's within your power. In other words, when you have the power at your disposal to be, uh, to be cruel and not have to be nice to someone, then you be the lion. But if somebody, if somebody, if somebody you can't overpower someone as a ruler or you can't exercise authority over them, then you gotta be sly like a fox. How many of you know that's a doctrine of demons? That's, that's the way the kingdom of the world is. Can you have success? Well, sure you can. Jesus said, yeah, what would a prophet man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? There is a way that you can be successful in the world as, as the world measures success. Amen. You can be successful using the, if you're measuring success by the world's yardstick, but still be a complete and an abysmal failure in the kingdom of God. But, but you understand here that, that Jesus, you know, he's saying, you know, to be the, the servant of all, you don't, you don't do that stuff. You don't, you don't come and say, how many of you know, some people are only good at being nice and cordial and serving people from whom they can receive some benefit? We've all seen that, haven't they? You see, you, you know, you see somebody uh, that, you know, okay, let me put it this way. Our, is our natural inclination to be more polite to the president of the company than we are to the janitor? That's our natural inclination, isn't it? Why? Because the janitor can't do nothing for you. Well, they might scrub your toilet if they clean you and clean your office, but they ain't going to give you no promotion, are they? Oh, but the president of the office, ooh, good morning, sir. How are you today? Is there anything I can do for you today? Why? Because the president of the company, oh, if we get in some, get in some brownie points with him, man, you know, next time there's a position open, man, he might remember me. Amen. How many of y'all know it's not that way in the kingdom of God? God's going to be looking at the janitor. The servant of all. Who's doing Who's doing? But you understand that, that if we're going to be the servant of all, all means all, right? I looked it up. All means all. It says, it says whoever's going to be the greatest, and remember, we need to want to be great. We need to have that something is wrong if we don't if we don't have a desire as servants of the king if we do not have a desire in us God I want to be great God I want when I stand before your throne and you are judging me for the works I did in this life I want you to look at me and say well done you good and faithful servant Amen You should because of who we're, because of who we serve because of whose errand boy you are. And I keep saying that because I'm going to keep saying it and saying it and saying it and saying it because it grates against your flesh. Mm, don't you call me no errand boy. I ain't your errand boy. Mm, you better be somebody's. How many of you know, uh, <laughs> amen, how many of you all uh, heard that song that Bob Dylan sang, you're going to serve somebody. It might be the devil and it might be the Lord, but you're going to serve somebody, right? Who's your Lord? Because you understand this, if the Word of God, if the, the, what this, the unction of the Spirit is. If Jesus Christ is not the supreme authority in your life, I mean, even before you go, you realize, even before you make major financial decisions, you ought to be talking to Jesus about it. You get a raise, you get a promotion, here's something that's radical for you, and man, you just wait till we start dropping these bombs. How about that you get a raise and a promotion, and your first, your first inclination is, mm, 
boy, I can go out and get that, that nicer car I wanted. I can, mm, I can go get a nicer house now. What if God gives you a promotion and financial increase and He says, I don't want you to raise your standard of living at all. I'm blessing you with this extra to help someone else in the body that doesn't have. Come on, amen. Mm, Pastor, you just threw us a curveball. You mean God wouldn't want to see me increase? God definitely wants to see you increased. But you know what? Seeking first the kingdom, seeking first His righteousness, you do that, and what looks like in the world and in your natural mind, it's going, you can't do that. You wanted to have this. You wanted to have that. You want to. You worked hard to get that raise. You deserve it. It's yours. You worked hard. You did it. Nobody get Really, it's yours. I hate to break the news to you, darling, but everything you are, everything people want to get so hung up and, and just get get their drawers in a knot about the tithe. You talk to some people, man, the religious people are the worst ones. You start talking to them about a tithe, well, well you mean I got to give a tenth? You mean I got I got to give a tenth of my income? Is that off a net or gross? Oh, get out of here! You don't even you don't even want to talk about that, huh? And they get all bent out of shape over that, and it's like you want to tell people, you realize that everything you got is God's. Don't think, well, I've given my tithe, I'm good. I guarantee you, I know people, and some of the most prosperous people I know are people who give their tithes, and they give hundreds, if not thousands of dollars every year above their tithe. And you don't think God bless Well, it's just a coincidence tonight. It ain't a coincidence. It ain't a coincidence, because they've got a revelation. Everything I own is God's. I remember I heard a preacher one time say he was he had been believing God to, to prosper, and he said you know he grew up in poverty, he grew up you know in a poor in a poor family in, in Miss, rural Mississippi, and that God began to bless him, and he said the first time in his life he had fifty thousand dollars in the bank, and he thought woo, he said you got to understand, he said where I grew up, he said he said I never imagined in my lifetime I'd have fifty thousand dollars in the bank, he said I was tithing, giving offerings, he said and that hit fifty thousand dollars, he said and guess what. That bossy old Holy Ghost started talking to him. <laughs> want you to move all that over to your checking account. Want you want you to write a check for it and give it to this ministry. God wouldn't do that, would he? Yeah. yeah. Who who's your master? Who are you serving? You understand this? That God he he owns all. And this is the tri- this is the deceitfulness of riches. If I give it all away, I ain't going to get no more. That's the deceitfulness of riches. Where the kingdom principle is, you seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things are added to you. Because God sees, you know, you've got to be faithful in the little things before He'll give you stewardship over much, right? If you can't tithe off of your $300 a week paycheck, don't think, well, you know, when I'm making... You know, $3,000 every two weeks, then I can start tithing. No, 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 no. That's not how it works. you got to be faithful and say, Oh, Pastor, I thought you were talking about serving. Well, you understand giving and serving is, is real close. I mean, serving is giving of yourself. Okay? Amen? Here it says, Jesus said over... Oh, let's, let's turn back. Let me turn back over to Mark chapter 9. Finish reading that out to you. Mark chapter 9 says, And sitting down, He called the twelve and said to them... If anyone wants to be first, he shall be last and the servant of all. Amen. Turn back over to Matthew chapter 23. We want to look at another passage where Jesus is talking about being a servant. Amen. Praise God. I want to tell you, people are getting free. 
You're hearing this, and you're and you're going to get free, and you're going and and, and God, you're going to see as you get free, and you understand your service to God and your service to the kingdom of God is not something grievous. What did Jesus say? Didn't Jesus say something like, "He who seeks his life will lose it, but he who lays down his life for the the, the kingdom's sake shall find it." Something to that effect. Isn't that what that Jesus is saying? If you're making yourself me, 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 my, 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 me, 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 mine, mine, mine is your top priority, then you're going to lose your life. That doesn't necessarily mean you're going to die young. It might be. You understand that there have been people that have, been, that have cut their life short because, because for years, decades, they've, they've ignored their assignment. Lord dealt with them. I want you to do this. Mm, at a more convenient Time. And there's people that, they, that they've left earth early because they've never carried out their assignment that God gave them. And God was gracious, and God was gracious, and God gave grace, and God gave peace for year after year, decade after decade. And finally, just God just said, you know what, I want to bless you with a lot longer life than what you were, but you just you went AWOL. I'm going to call you into headquarters. <laughs> Amen? How important is it that we be on the right assignment? Amen. Matthew chapter 23, verses 1 through 12. Then Jesus spoke to the multitudes of His disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees have seated themselves in the chair of Moses. Therefore, all that they tell you, do and observe, but do not do according to their deeds, for they say things and do not do them. Do as I say, not as I do, right? Verse 4. And they tie up heavy loads and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves are unwilling to move them with as much as a finger. But they do all their deeds to be noticed of men and broaden their uh, philosophies. And that's, you know, that was those little boxes they put on their head and they tied it around their arms and had scriptures on it. And they got all religious about it and then broadened the, the borders of their garments. And like, oh, look how religious and look how this I am. They were, it was just, it was for show. Amen. Um, and they love the place of honor at banquets and the chief seats in the synagogues and respect and respectful greetings in the marketplaces and being called by men rabbi. But do not be called rabbi, for one is your teacher, and you are all brothers. And do not call anyone on earth your father, for one is your father, he who is in heaven. And do not be called leader, for one is your leader. This is out of the New American Standard Version, by the way, if you're wondering. And that is Christ. But the greatest among you shall be your servant, and whoever exalts himself shall be humbled, but whoever humbles himself shall be exalted. And that word exalted means lifted up or promoted, right? Jesus is saying, and you understand, this is contrary, this is the upside-down kingdom, right? The rule is absolutely contrary to the world. Because the world says, what's the world say? Watch out for number one, right? Okay, Watch out for number one. Well, you know, I've got to take care of my self. You understand if taking if if the person you're looking forward if you're the person you're placing your welfare in their hands you, wouldn't it just be better to come on over into the kingdom sell out and make Jesus Lord the supreme authority in your life and there and let the responsibility of, of providing and watching out for you be his responsibility because he can do a lot better job than what you can. Amen, amen. <clears throat> so Jesus said to be the servant of all. Real quickly, let's turn to Isaiah. Amen talking about how does God describe greatness. Well, God, so according to the Word of God, according to the words of, of Jesus, how many of you all think that Jesus is a reliable source that we can believe Jesus? Amen. Jesus said Jesus defines greatness as being the servant of all. 
being willing to serve, being willing, and you understand this, that you, that if we really serve God, let me try to give you a little scenario and see, and see if we can illustrate some stuff here. If someone, okay, how many, okay, let's go. How many of y'all know, uh, let's use Batman, okay? How many of y'all know, uh, Alfred the Butler? Okay, we're all familiar with Batman comics, okay? Alfred the Butler, the faithful butler of the Wayne family. Okay, how many of y'all think that when Bruce Wayne tells Alfred to do something, that Alfred says, yes sir, wait just a minute and I'll get to it as soon as I can? That don't happen, does it? Let me ask you this. How many of you all, if you were an employer and you employed people and you told someone... I want you to drop everything you're doing and do this. And the person's answer was, okay, I'll get around to it just as soon as I can. You'd want to just pull them aside and put your arm around and say, wait a minute, we have a failure to communicate here. I sign your paycheck. Okay? And when I ask you to do something, when I ask you to drop everything you do and put everything on hold and you do what I tell you to do, then you need to drop what you're doing and do it, right? Now, some people might say, well, that just sounds like arrogance. No, because you understand, if you run the business, you understand the priorities better than the guy downstairs pushing the broom, right? If you're the CEO of the company, and you know what the priorities are, then when you tell, so you, you know better than, than the janitor, you know better than, you know, the desk jockey down there working in his little cubicle, you know better, you know what's priority for that company and what's to the ultimate benefit. And let's just be real honest, just the fact that he's the boss and he signs the checks, as long as he doesn't tell you anything immoral to do, you do it. Amen? And you understand, this is, you gotta live by this. There's no room for pride and thinking I'm too good to do that in the kingdom of God. Y'all understand that? How many of y'all understand? You know, when I was on staff, and I use lots of examples from when I was on staff with Pastor Huffman Church, but Pastor Huffman, he was the pastor. He was, you know, he was the boss. And y'all understand this, and this will help some of you because I'm telling some, I'm telling you this about the world, there's some of you that someday you'll work on staff at ministries. Is to understand. Don't go into a ministry mindset. A lot, you know, there's a lot of people. I've known people that have worked on staff at ministries that thought that, oh well, this, you know, it's not like a like a real job when I have a real boss. You know, they got to be a Christian to me here. They can't yell and scream and cuss me out when I don't do what they want. Okay, they don't need to be yelling, screaming, and cussing you out. But you need to be number one wherever you get. You understand this? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. If I hire someone and I put them on staff as a part-time employee of Anchor Faith Church of Valdosta, or if Kenneth Hagen Jr. calls you up and asks you to come on full-time salaried staff at Rama Bible Church in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, you should not work one bit harder for him than you would for me because ideally you should be working as unto the Lord anyway. Amen? doesn't matter if you're working for the cotton gin or if you're working for the governor of Georgia. doesn't matter if you're working at McDonald's or if you're running the, the kitchen, if you're over the kitchen in the White House. 
I do as good a job one place as I do the other because I'm not respecting men. I'm being the servant of all, and I realize that I am a servant of the Most High God. And I do, and I do everything that I do with excellence. And when my supervisors ask me to do something, I give it a sense of urgency. Unless they, unless they say it can wait, I, I'd make this habit. Even when, even when uh, Pastor Huffman, or not, and not just him, but just any employer that I've had recently, in any, in any time in the past ten years since I began to get a revelation of this, okay, is that and, you know, unless they specifically tell me you don't need to stop what you're doing. Just when you get finished, go do this. Unless they give me that instruction, I just assume that what my supervisor has asked me to do, that's the most important thing I need to do, and I need to stop whatever I'm doing and go do it. Because that's, that's the attitude of a servant. Okay, And when you get done, you don't look for kudos, right? Look, what do we say over there in Luke? Uh, the example of the servant said, I'm just an unprofitable servant. I've only done that which I've been required to do. That's which is required of me. You know, I'd be in the office working. And Pastor Huffman, this is the thing, he didn't have to be in the office at 8 o'clock. Why? He's the king <laughs> in that domain, right? He go, he's probably up at 5 o'clock praying anyway while you're still rolling over in your bed. Why's he got to be in the office at 8 o'clock? You just be there, right? But he'd come in sometimes in the morning, and I'd be doing something. And, you know, we, you know they, <laughs> they, they had this old cheap pre-ground coffee, you know, that they kept at the office. But I knew my pastor, he liked Starbucks. So I'd sneak a little bag of Starbucks in there and, I'd, and I'd whole beans and the coffee grinder. And the rest of the ladies in the office, they, they didn't make coffee like that. They, you know, they'd measure their coffee by a scoop, not by how many, you know, how far do I fill up the grinder. And, but I knew my pastor, he, I knew he liked that Starbucks coffee. And so I'd keep some in stash and keep, my, keep a spare coffee grinder at the office. So when pastor would come in, and he'd want coffee, and I know pastor was there, I'd sneak, you know, I'd go in the, in the copier room and I'd grind some coffee beans. And I'd, and I'd make the coffee, and I'd even pour it and carry it to his door. Oh, you're just a big suck-up, Pastor. That's what you were. No. No, no, no. I realized that it was a privilege for me to serve that man who had, honest, quite honestly, you know, he calls Brother Kenneth E. Hagan, he calls him Dad Hagan because of, of the tremendous spiritual influence that he had on his life. He, he is my Dad Hagan. Because... Just as just as dramatic an impact as Brother Hagen's ministry made on Pastor Daryl Huffman's life, Pastor Daryl Huffman's ministry made just as significant. And so, to me, I'm like, it's a no, it is a privilege to serve you. And this is the thing: he'd pull in, and the pastoral secretary she'd buzz me in my office, or she'd call me on my cell phone. She'd say, "Pastor's here. You know, could you make some coffee for him?" And I was like, "You know," and it wasn't like up to do it now. It's like, yeah, and there'd, be, there'd even be some occasions where she'd say, as soon as you get to the point where you, you, know, you can, if you don't mind, just make some coffee for Pastor. And she didn't say pour it up and take it in his office. She didn't say, but I, you know, I'd just stop, okay? Why? Because this, I've been called to be a servant. This is a person that God's called me to be submitted to and to, and to serve him. And so I just assume that whatever he needs me to do, it's the most important thing that I need to do. Okay, that example now. How about God? <clears throat> How about is Jesus your Lord? Are we serving God with that kind of devotion that you can be in the middle of your day and you've got appointments and the Holy Spirit speaks something to you and you buzz the secretary and you say, you know what, clear my calendar for the rest of the afternoon. I've got to go do something. Because the king just spoke to me. There's a priority. Or that you've got... Uh, you know, that you've got vacation planned and the Holy Spirit speaks to you and says, I want you to postpone that and I want you to do this. 
Are we willing to do that? Oh, but God, you know, I've been planning this all year. So what? Who's your master? Well, God, you know, I just need to get someplace where I can just I can rest. I can, I can do. So what? Who's your Lord? Because this is the thing, and it gets right back down to you know money versus God. Oh, because you say vacation—that's not money. Oh, God, I've been working so hard to make money that I need to go someplace where I can just relax and get refreshed. And when I do that, then I'm able to go back and work harder some more, so I make some more money. And if and if God said if God said to you, Mm-mm. oh, but God, I've already paid for the tickets, and and they're they're non-refundable. What was it the prophet said over in the Old Testament? There was, a, there was a king that had hired mercenaries to help him fight his war. And, 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 the, and the prophet of God came to the king and he said, what are you doing hiring out these mercenaries to come do your work for you? He said, why didn't you just depend on God? You're leaning on the flesh. You're leaning on man. Why you go out and you get these mercenaries? Why didn't you go and pray and ask God to be on your side? And the king said, oh, well, what can I do? I've already paid them. And the prophet said, let him go because it's better for you to suffer the loss of the money than to displease God. And God can always get more money to you. That's a paraphrase, but you can look that up. I can't remember exactly where it's at. Probably over in uh, First or Second Kings. Amen. But you understand that you understand who who are you serving? Whose convenience are you serving at? It's God's. Amen. Let's turn you're in Isaiah chapter 14. Just take a look at this. You understand that to serve and to be a servant and to make yourself available to someone else means that you're willing, you incon, you'll, incon, you'll even inconvenience yourself, but won't even consider it an inconvenience. Why? Because, because you're being selfless. You know, hate to use him for, for an example, but I will for good things. Brother Kirk, yesterday, you know, we had, I had to come over and I had to get the trailer. We had to use the trailer to help someone get moved uh, yesterday. Um, and then so, but the, the rain, during some of the rain, the ground had got soft and the trailer had slid off the blocks I put it on, the wood blocks I put it on, and the jack had drove down all the way in the ground and the nose of the trailer was all the way down on the ground. And so I needed some way to get the trailer back up off the ground. I thought, well, you know, maybe if I can get a floor jack because I just don't know, it's, it's so low, I just don't know if you can get a car jack underneath it or not. And I thought, you know, I need to call around. I don't have a floor jack. Let me call around and see if someone's got one. And so I called over and I called uh, Brother Kirk up. And I said, Brother Kirk, I said, uh, do you happen to have a floor jack? I said, our trailer's f- falling off the blocks. It's buried all the way up. And the nose of it's all the way down on the ground. And I can't get hitched onto it. And I need a jack to jack it up. And he said, no, Pastor. He said, I don't have one. He said, but you need me to come? You need me to come over and help you? I said, no, no. I said, you know, Pastor Dave will be there soon. I said, or I can just take a look at it. I said, I'm to... pa- Pastor, I can come. I got, you know, he, he said, and then he said, he said, well, I got stuff planned this morning. And I thought, well, I, and I was like, no, 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 Brother Kirk, don't worry. He said, no, 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 what I'm saying is I'll be out. I'll already be out in town. And if you need me and you change your mind, call me and I'll drop what I'm doing and come there and do it. And you understand this. Brother Kirk, he don't get paid. He ain't drawing no salary from this church. But you, you understand, he knows he was called by God to be at this church, to be hooked up with this ministry, to, to hook up with this vision, and his heart is such that if you need me, and I'm, I'll drop what I'm doing. i got one full free day a week that I get to spend with my family, but if you need me, I'm there. Huh? And I ain't saying that to brag on Brother Kirk. Brother Kirk, tell you, don't, be, don't, you, don't give me no attaboys. I'm an unprofitable servant, and I'm only doing that which is required of me. And why? Because it's selflessness. 
Okay, so what's the opposite of selflessness is selfishness. Amen. Let's read here in Isaiah verses, uh, uh, chapter 14, verses 12 through 15. Amen. And most of y'all, you've heard this before, you're familiar with it. It's about, it's concerning the father of selfishness. Satan, Lucifer. It says, how you have fallen from heaven, O star of the morning sun of the dawn. You've been cut down to the earth, you who have weakened the nations. Okay, so he's speaking, he's speaking of Lucifer. He says, but you've said in your heart, listen to this, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit on the mount of the assembly in the increase of the north. I will ascend above the heavens of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. Nevertheless, you'll be thrust down to Sheol, to the recesses of the pit. In other words, King James verses, you'll be cast down to hell. And Jesus gave us the Paul Harvey on that. How many of y'all know when I say the Paul Harvey? I mean the rest of the story. Remember, this is talking about Satan getting puffed up with pride. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do this to advance myself. I'm going to promote myself. I'm going to put my throne up there. I, you know, and you understand his place. He was a cherub. He was an angel. He, and what are angels? They're ministering spirits. Meant to minister for the, those that will inherit the salvation of God. They're, they are ministering spirits. What, and that word ministering means serving. We'll teach about that sometime, but you need to realize you've got ministering spirits. Angels are ministering spirits. They're meant to minister. They're meant to serve you. Woo! That sounds pretty bold, Pastor. Well, are you a son of God or not? And it doesn't matter what the, what the gender or what the sex of your little earth suit is. Because you understand that your sexual assignment here on the earth, although God, it does have significance because it dictates who you hook up with and who you don't. Hello, remember? Even a dumb plumber knows two male parts don't go together and two female parts don't go together, right? So your earth, the, the, your sexual assignment on, in your earth suit does have significance. But you understand in the spirit that when God created man in the image of God, He created them both male and female, both of us. Because you understand your spirit, what did Jesus say? When you get to heaven, there ain't no marrying or giving in marriage. Why? Because you ain't got no sexual assignment. That was just that was for your earth suit. And you understand, you're coming back to the earth. Amen. But you understand that you don't have, that your sexual assignment doesn't mean anything. So you understand you're a son of God, whether your earth suit assignment is male or female, spiritually, you're a son of God. Do we believe do we really do we believe what the Bible says? And I know that's still hard for some people to say, I'm a son of God. Well, what did John say? Remember, if we're going to drive this into you, the word says, As many as received him, received Jesus, to them he gave the power to become the sons of God. God didn't send Jesus to the earth to make Christians, he sent Jesus to the earth to make sons. Amen. And as sons, we have privilege. So here's Satan, who he was known as Lucifer. He was an angel. He was a ministering spirit. And his, the whole thing, his whole purpose that he was created for was to be a serving spirit unto God. But he got to thinking a little bit too highly of himself. And he said, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. You understand this? That the nature, the, the nature of Satan is the nature of self-centeredness, self-absorption, and thinking only how to elevate himself. And so when we realize, if we catch ourselves in our life thinking, 
It's about me, 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 I, I, I. What can I do to get myself? What can I do just to get get ahead? To get ahead? What can I do to get me ahead? What can I do to get me ahead? You need to start checking your attitude and say, Father, what can I do to advance the kingdom of God? What can I do to help others get ahead? And you understand this, that God judges the heart of things. God knows whether you're just helping people and it's selfish. You can be selfish even in helping other people. You really got to pray and ask God to help you with the thoughts and the intents and the motives of your heart. But you understand this is that, that, that um, all of Satan's prideful declarations were self-serving and self-elevating. I, 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 me, me, me. I'm going to do this. I'm going to to get myself ahead. Where if he'd have known his role, huh? If you know your role and it, and it, it's the role of a servant, and I'm going to tell you what we, and I'm telling you, I know this for me still. Okay, so I imagine if I wrestle with some stuff, that there's at least maybe half of the people here that I'm talking to. Okay, the rest of y'all are just so spiritual that this doesn't bother you at all. That it that it maybe makes you cringe just a little bit on the inside. You're Aaron boy. What's your calling life? Being Aaron boy. But you tell me this: what can what can be a more what can be a higher calling than being an Aaron boy for God? I can't think of it. Can you? Why? Because he's the king, because he's the CEO of the universe, because he knows what's better for his business than what you do anyway, little janitor boy. And it don't matter how big your paycheck is, you're still the janitor boy. And because he's the king, he knows what's better for, because he sees big picture. We're, you know, and we're going to get there. We're starting to get there. We're starting to see a little bit bigger than ourselves. We're, hopefully we're starting to see that yes, you use your faith, but your faith ought to be for a whole lot more than for you to believe God, for you to get something that you can consume upon your own desires. Our confidence and our faith ought to be such though that my Heavenly Father, the King of the universe, knows what I need, and all i got to do is ask Him. He says, I have not because I ask not. I just need to ask Him. Lord, give it to me. He's going to give it to me. And then I can use my faith. God, you know what? I sure could use a bonus because there's somebody in our church that they need something. And you know what, God? I just I want to use my faith and I want to call some money in because there's I see some need and I want to be able to give to it. And we ought to be using our faith. Why? Because we go from looking at the tree and concentrating on me, 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 I, 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 to where we start looking around and we start seeing things from the kingdom of God perspective. And we start seeing that it's bigger than you. And let's just be real honest, something's wrong with your heart if the only thing you ever use your faith for is to get stuff for yourself. Because we're not wanting stuff, because you're not wanting something, you're not wanting to get something so you can be a servant. To someone else. Amen? You understand this? If all of our motives... Let me ask you this question. If all of our motives and our thoughts are to our own self-benefit, who are we thinking like? If our thoughts are consumed with... You know, from the time you get up, oh, man, what can I do? i got to do this, you know. And if I do this, maybe this will happen. This will help me out. Man, I'll really put... This This will be good for me if I go do this. And, you know, well, the Bible says, you know, prefer others before yourself. Oh, glory to God, Pastor. Won't you just tie me to a stump and beat me? You are, you understand the Word says that we are to prefer others to, over ourselves. I've used this example. I was talking to someone this week, maybe in Pastor Ross. I said, you realize this, that you're giving your tithes, you're giving your offerings, and you might have a picture. Uh, you, you know, you might like boats. And you might have a picture in your office. Or you might have a picture in your desk of, you know, you know, 
twenty. Okay, let's just let's just escalate it a little bit here. Ten thousand dollars. Ooh, you're looking at a little John boat with a nice motor and stuff like that. Okay, or you're looking at a bass boat. Ten thousand dollars. Ten, fifteen thousand dollars. Or you pull it out and you're looking at a picture. Oh, that's thirty-five, forty thousand dollar boat. God, you know I've been working hard and you're saving for it. You got your little accounts over. You're squirreling money away. You know you're putting money in your 401k. You're putting money in your retirement and your savings, and 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 you're squirreling money away. And you've been saving it for years. Ooh, Lord, I'm getting ready to retire. I'm gonna buy that seventy-five thousand dollar boat. Take it out. Look at the picture every day. Hmm. That hundred thousand dollar boat, Lord, when I retire. Because that's ain't that what happens? You start out looking at a John boat, and then you look pricing yachts, right? And you're putting money away, and you say, hmm. And, and, and you understand God's got this prerogative. And, you, and you, 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 your next paycheck, you've got enough money, you're going to be able to take enough money out of it to where you've got it, man, paid in full. I'm going down to the boat store, and I'm placing my order, and I'm paying for it. Hmm, it's going to be good. I can already see myself with a fishing pole, fishing off the back of it in the Gulf. Woo! Huh? And you get it, and God says, I want you to give that money for this. I want you to take that money and do this. I want you to take that money and pay somebody's mortgage off. Can you believe God for that? Can you believe God that God wants to prosper you so much more? That's the whole reason God wants you blessed is that you're a blessing to other people. Not so you can run out and get every little toy. And this is the thing, God don't mind you having toys. But God don't want your toys having you. And God wants you to have the attitude. You know, like I said, back to that story, I don't think I ever finished that story about that minister that I know that grew up in, he grew up poor in Mississippi. I, I did, didn't I? He said as soon as he got $50,000 saved in the bank, the Lord spoke to him and said, now take it all and give it to this person. Okay? And some people, if you're not careful, this is the rest of the story you'll play out in your mind. Well, I guess he just didn't get to get anything that he wanted. He's probably saving that money for something. and God have him give it away. I'm going to tell you what, I don't know the person personally. I've had some, uh, I've had some personal exchange with them on a personal level, but I, you know, it would be a stretch for me to say that I'm really even an acquaintance, but I know this person. And I can testify for you, this person's doing well. Okay? They ain't hurting. I'll, I'll drop the name, because like I said, I don't know the person, so I'm not name dropping to make myself look good. It's Keith Moore. A lot of y'all know Keith Moore. He's, he's preached on Brother Copeland's show. He's got a, he's got a little church out in Branson, Missouri. Amen. That's, that's, that's a joke. But you understand, he's doing well. So this morning, what I want to ask you is, is if we need to judge ourselves, judge our motives, judge how we're given. Man, can you take it? I'll, I'm going to finish this up next week. Can you take it? Will you be here? Or do you want to be great? Everybody better nod your head and say you're going to be here next week or I'll just preach till 1230. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> you know I can do it. You know, I, I, amen. I like what Pastor Earl said. We're going to pray for behinds that have endurance. Because you know the old saying that said the, the heart can't receive more than the behind can endure. I'll just pop this on you real quick. This is one of those little Selah statements. You know, you know when you read Psalms and it says Selah on it, okay? That means pause and think quietly on this. Why can we go to a movie theater <clears throat> and sit for two over two hours in a movie theater, not get up and get anything to drink, not have to go to the bathroom? And not complain once about the movie being too long, but we go to church and if the service goes more than an hour and a half. <coughs> oh, but Pastor, the movie's interesting. Excuse me? 
Okay, I'm not going to take offense because I know I'm not boring. Amen? I'll keep a hat up here and yank a rabbit out of it every once in a while. I'll get your attention. Ta-da! You know, there it is. <coughs> what are you saying, Pastor? I'm just saying we need to retrain the way we think. We need to be careful because the world and, and the world's thinking is even creeping into the church. Well, you know, people are just so busy. We just don't need to, you know, why bother to do a Sunday night service anymore? People are just so bit Really? How about where the Word says, you know, that we're not to forsake the assembling together of ourselves and even more so as we see the day approaching. My concern is you see churches canceling Sunday night services because, well, you know, people are so busy and they've got to have quality family time. When if you did what the Word said, you'd say, you know what, we're going to have Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday, and we're going to throw a Friday night service in on top of that too. Selah. Selah. Amen. Pause and think about that. Amen. Well, this morning... I, I...